0: It's great to have you here. We've already had an incredible morning. Um, I just love the opportunity to come and to gather together with brothers and sisters, whether online or here on the floor, and just worship um, our God. We are in the midst of a message series. We're wrapping it up today. And if you're brand new, don't walk out. Don't worry. Uh, Yes, you look and you see a title filibuster. I knew it. This pastor is going to talk about politics. Well, we are going to talk about what's going on in our country and our world today, but it's probably not in the manner in which you are thinking, um, because we have been talking specifically about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to be able to live during these times and to get ourselves ready uh, for this upcoming election and the way that God would call us to. And just very briefly, I will will recap to catch us up. Um, We talked about the importance of when we think about an election that we need to first and foremost go back to the truth. And I asked the question last week and the week before, what's your truth? And if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that the truth is not anything um, that comes from our thoughts. Um, It's everything that has to do with the word of God. And so when we know the word of God, that becomes our anchor, that becomes our truth. But we also said this, remember that God cares much more about how we treat one another through this process than he actually cares about who wins the election. Now, some of you are saying, no, Terry, I'm sorry, I disagree with you there. No, 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 but it's too important, too important. Most important election in our lifetime. Yes, I've been there, I've heard that. But here's the thing that we reminded ourselves of. At the end of the day, on November 4th, here's the truth that lets me breathe. That my God is still King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and he's still on the throne even November 4th. He knows who's gonna win the election, he knows today, he knows tomorrow, he knows the next 20 years, and so I don't need to panic, I don't need to freak out, I can breathe, relax, and say, God, I trust you. And that's what we've been covering as we've been going through this process. And today, I'm gonna take us in a little bit of a different direction because we wrap things up. I wanna take you to November 4th. It's the morning after the election and whoever you wanted to win, lost. Okay, you're freaking out now, now your anxiety level. I didn't come to church, I wanna relax, and now I just got all stressed and anxious. But what happens if your candidate loses? And we're gonna talk today about how we as followers of Jesus are to respond if that were to happen. And here's the great thing, there's a guy by the name of Paul, and Paul, he once persecuted Christians, he once killed Christians. And God radically changed his life. You think that your story is irredeemable? You should look at a guy by the name of Paul. And Paul writes to a church in Galatia. He tells them specifically about warning them about what it means to live a life in Christ versus being caught up in the things that tie us down. So if you're not a follower of Jesus yet, and you've never read this, it's okay. I'm going to walk us through, but I want you to imagine November 4th, Terry, I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm freaked out. My anxiety level is here. I've got my friends and family members emailing already to me. Ha ha, your candidate lost. Ha ha ha. I, I just want to punch him. What do we do when that happens? Let's take a look at what Paul has to say. This is Galatians chapter five, verse one. He says this, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now pause. I love how Paul starts this. This is okay, ho, 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 November 4th, ho, ho, ho. So Christ has set you free, right? I need that. I don't know about you, but I can just pray, say amen, and I can go home right now because Paul reminds me, Terry, if your candidate loses and you're all freaked out, hey, hey, Paul say, Terry, so has Christ set you free? Yeah, yeah, he has. Okay, okay. So if that's true, stay free. So follower of Jesus, if you want to sleep for the next 20 minutes, stay free. Be reminded of that truth. And then he says this, because if not, then there's a danger. Now watch this. He says, because if you don't stay free in Christ, you could fall into the danger of following the law and become in bondage to the law. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But I'm going to explain it. You see, because Paul was talking to the church, and the church was made up of a couple of different kinds of Christians. We have a lot of different Christians in our church. We have some that are brand new Christians. We have some that have been Christians for about 40, 50 years. We have some that think they're Christians, but their faith is built on things that actually Christ doesn't call us to. we got all different kinds of Christians in this room, just like in the church of Galatia. You had Jewish believers... You had individuals who had followed the law and then realized Jesus is the son of God, and so I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm going to follow him. Then you had non-Jews that came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and now they're trying to partner up with these Jewish believers and form this church in Galatia. And so they start arguing, and let me tell you why. Because the Jewish believers start looking at the Gentiles and saying, hey, If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to get circumcised. It just got really uncomfortable in the room, didn't it? Why are we talking about circumcision? Terry, why do you come up with that? I'm totally lost. Let me explain it. The Jewish people were saying, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you must be circumcised. Gentiles, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you have to follow this. Why did Paul or why did the Jewish believers say that? Take a look at this. This comes from Genesis. This goes all the way back to the Old Testament, the covenant of what made a Jewish person set apart. Take a look at this. Then God said to Abraham, the follower of the faith, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. So God tells Abraham, you want to be a Jewish person? You want to be honorable to God? Then you must follow the law. The law says you must be circumcised. Now Old Testament law, take a look at this. It was obey the law at all costs. It was fight for the law at all costs. And so you have Jewish people who are in the church following Jesus saying to be a follower of Jesus you must be circumcised because that's what the law states. And Paul says, whoa, that's not what it means to be free in Christ. Let me bring it to today. November 4th, we're going to have Christians that are going to get picked on if their side or what they think loses. And by the way, there are some Christians that think one side, some Christians that think another side. But when your side loses, there's going to be the other side that says, aha. And what you're going to do is saying, Pastor Terry, I did what God would want me to do. I gave it right back at him. I mean, they came right at me, and they are dishonorable. They are not for Christ. And so I stood up, and I gave them a one-two. I tweeted, I posted, you know what? You know what? I'm justified, Pastor Terry, because they are not with God. And so I stood up and defended God. And Paul is saying, wow, because if you're doing that, it's like you are following a law, and you're going to become in bondage to a law. And so watch what Paul has to say. Let's continue on, Galatians 5, two. Listen, I love this. If, how many grammar majors in the room? Okay, I'm gonna have to talk really slow then because there's not a lot. But anyway, so he says, listen, exclamation point. This is important. Paul, I tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now pause, I'm gonna go on, but listen. It's as if Paul Paul is saying, look, Christian, if you know the truth and you know what sets you free and you choose on November 4th to take everything that you know and put it aside and go after someone because you're not happy, then Christ is no benefit to you. You're losing the power of the freedom of Christ. He continues on. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, You must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You are fallen away from God's grace. Pause. If you think Christian that you're justified to act any way that you want on November 4th if your side loses. And you could be nasty, you could be mean, you could hold grudges, you could think evil thoughts. If you think that you're justified in that, then you are cut off from Christ because you're not really free, because you're living a faith that is both law and freedom in Christ. It can't be either. And Paul says, you can't live a life like that You can't say with one side you have to follow the law and the other side there is freedom in Christ. You are either free and you must stay free or you will fall in bondage to a life to the law. Does that make sense? Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? And so here's the truth. Without Christ, we are slaves to our sin unable to do what is right. Now, I hope everybody writes this down, circles it, because I want you to hear me and remember this on November 4th. Freedom is not the right to do what we want, but it's the ability to do what we ought. Freedom in Christ is not the right to do what you want, but it's the ability to make the choice to do what you ought to do in Christ. There's power in that more than you'll ever realize. Paul continues. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised us. Paul says a statement which most of us we don't get. He says, "But we who live by the Spirit, in other words, those of us that are free, we eagerly wait for the opportunity to exercise the faith that we have in Christ. What is Paul meaning? So let me illustrate this another way. I have baseball up here, and I have, I have some friends in the audience, and I would make a throw, but I don't trust them to catch it and hurt you, so I'm just gonna hold on to it here. But do you know that in baseball, I'm sorry, I'm a baseball coach player, sorry, sorry, but I tell my son, he's got a travel ball game today, actually, I tell my son all the time, son, every time you get to a game, if you want to get better, if you want to improve, if you want to strengthen your ability to throw a baseball, then here's what you have to do. You have to play long toss. Now, some of you have no idea what that is. If you play baseball, you know what I'm talking about. Long toss is warming up for a game, but it's not just warming up for that game. It's warming up for your career because if you're in the outfield before every game and if you watch major leaguers, they play long toss every game. And what you do is you put a person about 10 to 15 feet maybe a little bit more from you and then you just start slow and you toss and you get your arm loosened up. And then what you do is after a little bit of time, you back them up. And the goal is, is that they are to back up and you're to make longer throws and longer throws and longer throws until they get to such a distance to where when you throw it as hard and far as you can, it bounces in front of them. That's long toss. And what you're doing is, is you're strengthening your arm so that the next game, when you play long toss, actually you'll see the fielder go farther because your arm is getting stronger. Those of you that are baseball coaches or players, you're welcome, that was for free. But anyway, why am I saying this to you? Do you know that your faith is just like playing long toss? Do you know that the way that you exercise your faith is by looking for opportunities to to actually exercise faith for righteousness? Let me tell you what it means. It means, Paul's saying this, you should as Christians, actually, if you wanna grow in your relationship with Christ, I'm not suggesting you do this, but if what you think is your side doesn't win on November 4th, it's actually a blessing. Because for the next four years, you are going to go through an amazing opportunity to every single day have to depend on your faith to get you through. And so Paul says we eagerly, those of us that are free in Christ, we eagerly wait for the opportunity to play long toss. We eagerly wait for the opportunity to exercise our faith. You know what righteousness means? Righteousness is having a right heart with God. And so what Paul says is, is if when the valleys come, you take steps of faith, play long toss, that your heart actually grows closer to God's, which increases your righteousness, which makes you stronger, which gives you more freedom in Christ. So it's time to play long toss, isn't it? Paul continues on and he says this, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. Paul says at the end of the day, what's most important is that when you take steps of faith, that you also at the same opportunity, you express it in love to one another. Like we talked about the last couple of weeks. You know, the honest to goodness truth on November 4th is this. We have one or two choices. And every Christian in this room and everyone watching, every Christian around the world and around the country that cares about this election, you have one or two choices with regards to what happens in the election. And here's what it is. You are either going to take a step forward or you're going to take a step back. One or two choices. Because Paul says it, right? He says, look, if you're free, then you'll stay free and you'll continue to take steps of faith even though it's difficult. But if you begin to give it back, if you begin to say, No, I'm justified, no, it's about this and about this and about this, you actually take a step back and you're cut off from Christ. Paul continues. He says, You are running the race so well, Christ follower. Who's held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. I want to caution every Christian in this room when you turn on TV and you listen to radio and everything else. Because the truth of the matter, at the end of the day, God is still in control. And the truth is, you are not justified to repay evil with evil. I'm sorry, I've read the Bible countless times. You're not justified to repay evil with evil. That's not what Christ calls us to. What you are justified is, is to stay free in Christ like Paul says. And what you are justified to do is to make sure you stay close to the truth. And that even though you don't feel like giving that kooky uncle a one, two, goodness, I can't believe my guy lost. Oh! That you stay free. And that you respond. And when they say, "Ah, I lost! Do you know what I would pray every person in this room, if you're on the other side, you know what I pray your response would be? I want you to know, kooky uncle, that I'm praying for our president and praying that he seeks God's face and praying that he makes the wisest decisions for our country. That would be the kind of response that Christ calls every follower of Jesus to, no matter whether your side wins or your side loses. Paul follows up. He says this For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know that every single believer in Christ is called? Now, I've said many times as a pastor, I was called to be a pastor, and that was true. And I don't have time to tell that story today, but there was a unique calling specific to my life. But do you know that every single one of us as Christians, that we are called to something. And if you don't realize this, then you need to wake up right now, smack someone if they're sleeping, smack them, wake them up, because you have a calling on your life. And so I'm going to answer the question, what does it mean to be called? And what are we called to? Christian, you are called to something called sanctification. Okay, Terry, that's a big religious word, and I have no idea what that means. I get it. But I want to explain what sanctification is. But before I do, I want you to read where this comes from. This is from the Old Testament. This is from the book of Leviticus. You'll probably never read it as a Christian unless you read through the whole Bible, because the book of Leviticus, let me just tell you, oh, dear Lord. But anyway, Leviticus, amazing book, but yes. So I'm going to read this from you, and I want you to pay close attention. So set yourselves apart to be holy. For I am the Lord your God. Keep all my decrees by putting them into practice. For I am the Lord who makes you holy. And so all of us Christians are called to be set apart. And the calling of being set apart is the process of sanctification. The process of sanctification is the process from you becoming more holy every single day. Now, I came to Ocean View a long time ago, and there was a whole lot of individuals who wanted this and this and this and this, and you could just imagine when I came to the church, and that's every church. When you got a new pastor, you come in, and everybody just either wants things to be the same, or they want things to change, and they want things their way, and as a pastor, you have to navigate through all of that, and it trust me, it's a lot of fun. Just kidding. Anyway, and so as you walk through this process, one of the guiding principles that governed the decisions that I would make in that process was this. It's really important to be holy before, next slide, holy before you become healthy. And I'm gonna explain that because holiness is a part of sanctification. And my prayer for our church, my prayer for my brothers and sisters is God, I pray that every day that they would seek holiness. Because if you seek holiness, then selfishness pours out. And when I say pours out, it drops. When you, you cannot be more holy and be more selfish at the same time. If you want to know what it's like to build righteousness and to grow closer to God, ask God to make you holy. Ask God for sanctification because there is no way you can grow in Christ and become more selfish. They don't go together. And so by praying for a church and for a people to lay down their desires and lay down their wants and say, God, first and foremost, it is you I seek after. And so I want holiness If you seek holiness before healthiness, you'll become healthy. In fact, holiness leads to healthiness. And so if you want to pray for something, don't ask God to make you healthy. Ask God to make you holy because even in the midst of your unhealthiness, you will be close to God. And if you trust God that he has a plan, then you don't care where you're at. You're just loving the fact that you're close to God. I want to remind you of something. I said this earlier in the message. Freedom is not the right to do what we want. Holiness is not the right to do what we want. Holiness is not the right on November 4th to be mad, angry, and spew evil, and say, I'm gonna dig my feet in, kick and scratch, I'm gonna make it miserable for the next four years for everybody else who's on the other side. That's not holiness. That's selfishness. Holiness is going back to the truth and seeking the truth. I close with this. Sorry, I'm a dad, so I'm going to tell a dad story. And here's the truth. My son right now, he's on his way to his baseball game, so I can talk about him, and he'll probably never see this, so it's okay. I have a 13-year-old boy um, this week. He turns 13 on Tuesday. And one of the greatest joys of my life was first to be married to my beautiful bride, but second, and a close second, is being a dad to an amazing son. And I took him out to dinner because um, Jennifer, she's away this weekend um, visiting her family in Florida. And so I took him for a guy's dinner and we were sitting there and I was talking about his birthday, 13, a teenager. Oh my gosh. And I'll tell you what, what made my heart just sing. is I, I was talking to him about, you know, what are the things he likes and for his birthday. And, and my son looked at me and goes, dad, really, you know what my best birthday present would be? I was like, yeah, hey, what is it? I'd, I'd like a new baseball bat but then I would like to go to a batting cage with you and have you pitch to me in a bat. That would be my dream birthday. Dads, I wanna tell you something. When my son and I held him in my hands and I said, Lord, I just pray I don't mess this up, I felt pretty good having a 13 year old son saying, Dad, I wanna be with you on my birthday. So we go to the batting cages because I'm an emotional dad. We're gonna go now. We drove to the batting cages, and I had one baseball in the car. True story. I had one, only one baseball. It's not easy to pitch when you only have one, pit, one ball. So I got them in the batting cages, and there were softball tournaments going on. And if you've ever played in that atmosphere, there was a whole bunch of guys in the parking lot, and there was music playing, and the guys were at the cages. And, and there was a group of softball players, and if you're watching right now, I know who you are. And they were by their car, and their music was playing. And I could hear a little bit of the music in the background, and, and, but couldn't hear the words. And so we started, you know, I started pitching. And all of a sudden, one of the players turned up the music as loud as he could. And so it was, it was blaring over the whole parking lot. And let's just say it's not the style of music, because I like all kinds of style of music. But it, when every third or fourth word is a suggestive word or a curse word, I have a problem with it. And here I am with my 13-year-old son, and I'm wincing every time I'm hearing a word played, and you can't escape it. And so I did what every peace-loving, stay-free-in-Christ pastor would do in that moment. I stopped pitching. And there's these four softball players all gathered around, and they're about six times my size. And I turned, and I just stared at them. And it got uncomfortable. And I just kept staring at them. And finally one of them motioned over and they turned the music down. After wiping my brow and saying, thank you, Lord, I <laughs> thought, because I don't know what would have happened if they, four of them would have come after me. But then one of them who had the actual boom box, he wasn't very happy about it, so he closed the scar and he actually dragged his boom box right next to my cage and he decided to hit right next to me and he put his boom box and he turned the music and looked at me and turned it up louder. So what I did was I looked at Connor and I said, "Let's, son, just don't pay attention and we'll just pitch to you. So he finished batting practice. We got in the car and I was mad. I was angry. And my son looked at me and he said, dad, why do people do that? God reminded me of what we're talking about today. Because Paul says, if you're free in Christ, you look forward to the opportunities to exercise your faith. And God placed those softball players and me in a very uncomfortable situation to exercise my faith because for the next 20 minutes, my son and I had an incredible conversation about what it means to live a life in Christ. And for you dads who've ever had a 13-year-old To be able to have a 20-minute conversation about anything serious, good luck. But freedom is the ability to not just do what you want to do, but it's the ability to do what you ought to do. November 4th, you have the opportunity to exercise your faith and to be able to love one another and to act as Christ called you to. So stay free, Christian, otherwise you're cut off and you live in bondage. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this morning, I, um, I just tell you I love you. Thank you so much, God, that you love me. Because when I think about how many times I my faith wavers and I try to take things into my own hand by giving a death stare, God, I thank you that I can trust you in every situation. So God, for all believers, as we approach this election cycle, God, may we go to your truth. May we trust it. May we follow your principles. And God, if November 4th comes, and if we're on the wrong side of the vote, God, I pray that we would not look to get even, that we would not lose our heads, but instead we would look to the other side and say, I'm going to pray for God's will to be done in the United States of America. And we would every day listen to the Holy Spirit and learn to be free in you. So God, I pray for all of us in our response. May we trust you. And we tell you we love you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.